Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. He is risen. He is risen there it is. Guys, so I don't know about you. Some of you probably saw that concert with the kids and were like, and that's why I don't volunteer with the kids. And then the other half of you said, that's exactly why I volunteer with the kids, right? Speaking of which, we need volunteers. So <laughs> anybody wants to go join that, you're free to do so. We'd love for you to partner with our ministry in that way. Guys, go ahead and grab your Bibles. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. That's where I'd love for you to be. Matthew chapter 28. Guys, on, on Good Friday, Kirk Fuller preached a sermon that kicked off a series called Depths and Height. It's just going to be Good Friday today in two more weeks. Four week or four sermon, three week series, and, and we're exploring the depths and heights of the Christian faith. The, the depths of Christ's suffering was Friday night. Today it is the heights of resurrection life and the way there. Of course, today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not just simply because we see it in the Bible, but there's historical reason for it. We celebrate it all year, not just today. So come back next week because we're going to celebrate the same thing, right? We're celebrating it all year because we are a resurrection people. Amen? Amen. As Christians, we believe in a physical, not just a spiritual, but a physical, historical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Both the death, burial, and resurrection were all historical fact. And, and we believe the resurrection for many good reasons, right? So the easy one would be that Jesus' own enemies even admitted that the grave was empty and they tried to cover it up. Or we, we see that 11 of the 12 disciples that followed Jesus were willing to lay down their lives for this truth. They became martyrs because of their belief in Jesus' resurrection. Not only that, but you see them cowering away in their own room, waiting for something to change, and Jesus shows up, and then they're all of a sudden out in the streets preaching the gospel. We saw Paul, right? This guy who was like the, most, the, the biggest threat to the Christian faith, persecutor of the church, come to decide, hey, my life is better off in Jesus' hand because he encountered the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus. And if, I don't know about you, but probably the clearest one is our brother James, right? Jesus' own brother James thought that Jesus was crazy, straight up loony, wanted to come and collect him and put him in the loony bin a few times. He and his family, all the way up to the cross. But James saw the risen Jesus and he became one of the most foremost leaders in the church. We also have testimony of over 500 people seeing the risen Jesus. Right? Some people say, well, they all hallucinated. Right? Whoa, what, what are they tripping on? <laughs> like all 500 of them? No way, no. You see, in, in, in one of the accounts, right, in one of Jesus' appearing after his resurrection, I mentioned it earlier, the disciples were huddled away in a room Locked doors because they were afraid for their lives. Right? They've locked everything. The windows were shut. It was dark and dreary. And they're sitting there waiting. And then all of a sudden, the risen Jesus just shows up. He's right in there with them. Right? And the disciples are like, oh man, this is a ghost. How many times have you seen the disciples think that Jesus was a ghost? Walking on water, showing up in the middle of the room. And Jesus gives them a few permissions to kind of test out whether or not Jesus is a ghost or if he's real, right? 
pregnant women, uh, you, you know how sometimes those women come up and they just kind of rub your belly without your permission? Isn't that awkward? Like, oh, the baby's here. That's right. Like, don't touch me. Jesus gave them permission. He's like, hey, come up and touch. And they're like touching his holes. And they're like, okay, wow, he goes through. His feet, his side, I can go into his side. Wow, he's real. And then not only that, they, they pulled off, you know, the, you remember Casper, the friendly ghost, where he ate some food and just went like straight through him? They gave Jesus food and it stayed in there. Like, he, he's not a ghost, he's real. He's, he's hungry, he's eating, it's staying in there. Man, this is the real deal. This is, this is Jesus. He's risen. So these were some legitimate tests that literally prove that Jesus' resurrection was bodily, that it was physical, flesh and bone. But you know, there's one thing about that little part, that little story, that kind of, if you were to track the whole resurrection account, would probably be like, wait, that doesn't line up with something else I'm, I've seen in the resurrection story. Right? So there's something that we need to reconcile to it. And, and I think that when we reconcile these things, you're gonna find that there's incredible things that happen. So, so think about this. If Jesus can, quote unquote, walk through walls, right? I mean, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's a paraphrase of what happened. He just shows up and nothing. Then, then why, why'd, the, why'd the stone have to be rolled away? Do you think he was in there? Hey, let me out. <laughs> I'm back alive. I just need to get back here. Let me out of here, right? no. No, if, if, if Jesus could do that, then, then why'd the stone have to be rolled away? What was the point of it? Now, I, again, that might sound like a pretty elementary question, pretty, pretty easy one to knock out of the park, but it's not. Because if we think about it properly, we're gonna find a beautiful gospel. So, so let's, let's just jump into the text real quick. And we're in Matthew 28, and, and this is the part where Jesus has already been slain on the cross, right? That was on Good Friday. He's been buried in Joseph's tomb, not Joseph Gibson, but Joseph of Arimathea. And, and he's been dead since Friday. So let's check out verse one. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Pause there for a second. Now, of course, like we're... we're, we're like on day three of Jesus' death. So it's very likely that his body started to, you know, it had some smell to it. Didn't smell that great. They didn't really have any great embalming processes to preserve the body like we do today. So it almost instant decomposition. And so he's smelling a little bit fresh and the ladies were like, hey, let's, let's go anoint his body. Let's put some, some herbs and spices on him. This is what we get from, from uh, the verse uh, in Mark chapter 16. It says this, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Siloam brought spices so that they could go and anoint him very early in the morning on the first day of the week. They went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, listen, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? So this is a little bit more expanded on what's happening here. And it turns out that while they were on their way to the tomb, something incredible happens. Look at verse two in chapter 28. It says this, there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. They just dropped straight up, boom. Now, this 
part right here is actually very critical for us to understand why the stone was rolled away. To answer our original question, if Jesus can, you know, walk through walls, why did the stone need to be rolled away? What was the point of it? And, and, and looking at what the angel does here is actually quite critical for that. You see, if we were to kind of do any kind of study throughout all of scripture on what angels are and what they do, we would find out that basically angels are messengers, right? Straight up messengers. They're divine mailmen, right? They're sent from God, the, the high on high, to, with, a, with a, a message for us, proclaimed to everyone, right? They, they, they come and they speak and they do things that are acting as messages, and we see this confirmed in verse five through seven. Check that out. Check out what the angel says. He says this. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen, just as he said. Amen? Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So we see a message delivered from God via this divine postman to the women, right? The message that, that Jesus isn't here, he's risen from the dead. This is the message of God proclaimed. But here's the kicker, right? How much, uh, how much of communication is verbal language? I think it's like 7%. How much of communication is physical language? Things that I do. Like, I think it's like, 75 something. It's pretty crazy how highly we communicate with action, with doing things, right? With body language. So we see here this angel doesn't just communicate something verbally. He already communicated something in action. There was a message there hidden within that, right? It would be right for us to look at him and how he rolled the stone away and be like, hey, there's something that God's communicating in that. There's a message that God is sending to the world through that action. He wasn't just doing it for kicks and giggles. He wasn't doing it to let Jesus out because he heard him knocking. No, that was God communicating a message. In fact, in rolling away the stone, he confirmed the words he spoke. You see, in his spoken message to the women, he didn't just tell them he is not here, he is risen. He invited them in. He said, come and see. Come in and see. You see, here's, here's where that question that we asked at the start becomes so vitally critical for our understanding of this. Why was the stone rolled away? Here's the straight up answer. The stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to let us in. It wasn't to let Jesus out as if he couldn't get out. It was to let us in, to come and see to come and behold, how would the woman have come in and seen the empty grave if he had not thrown the stone away first? How would, how would we, how would the world, how would any of the disciples ever been able to come in and take a look at the place where Jesus' body laid, now alive? How, how, would, how, how would we have ever been able to come in and see that linen shroud where his, it just wrapped, once wrapped his body, now void of its actual subject? You see, guys, the... The whole stone thing rolling away wasn't for Jesus, it was for us. It was for us to let us in to see that Jesus is alive. 
It was to let us see that our slain Savior has risen from the dead, that our King reigns over all life, that our conqueror has defeated sin and death. It cannot hold him anymore. That in Jesus, darkness turns to light. In Jesus, death gives way to life. Jesus is the faithful and true witness. Jesus' words that he speaks are always coming to pass. That is why the stone was rolled away to let us in and see the gospel. To see the resurrected Jesus. So guys, this is, this is why the women reacted the way that they did. If you check out verse eight. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. But guys, this, this invitation wasn't just simply for these women. Guys, the message of the angel declared and in action in rolling away the stone wasn't just to simply let these women in. Did you notice the part where it said it, there was an earthquake? How violent the message was. It wasn't just individualized. It was so earth-shaking that the ground shook. Because this was God not just inviting these two women, it was inviting all of creation, everyone to come in and see. And that for those who would believe in Jesus' resurrection, they too would experience the same resurrection from the dead. You see guys, resurrection power still lingers in that tomb. Not physically, spiritually. Resurrection power still is there. And any who would come into that tomb and see and believe will find themselves experiencing resurrection life. You see, the stone was rolled away, not just to let Jesus out, it was to let us in, but not to just come and see, but to share, to be a part of his resurrection that we too might be raised from the dead and walk in newness of life. You see, Jesus suffered incredible pain, incredible loss and heartbreak. He laid down his life. He sacrificed himself on the altar of a cross so that we might not have to endure the wrath of God. Then Jesus rose from the dead so that we could experience life with God. So that we could experience resurrection, eternal life. And boy, guys, you know that phrase, hey, live your best life now. Hey, you better live your best life now because you ain't got another one. False. We've got resurrection life right here and this is the best life right now. Guys, let me just do this real quick. I'm gonna do it because I think it's so important. I'm just gonna kind of dance through scripture as how it talks about what we get in resurrection life. So walk with me. Listen, guys, it says that first off, we are made alive together with Christ though we were once dead in our sins. It says that in, in that being made alive, <laughs> we are born again. We are remade. We are remade as new creatures with new identities, with new minds and new hearts and new wills, right? We, we now have the capacity to live for God, not for ourselves, 
We're not trapped by that anymore in this resurrection life. We're not trapped by living for worthless things. In fact, in this resurrection life, scripture says that we no longer live. Christ now lives in us. Oh, trust me, that's so much better than Scott Brud, <laughs> right? I'd rather be giving you Jesus than this little chump right here. Guys, we get to live as a people with a living hope. He's not buried somewhere in some tomb. He is alive. Guys, it says that, it says that in this resurrection life, death no longer rules over us. It's, in fact, it says that death has lost its sting. It doesn't hurt anymore. And it also says that we are set free. This is, the, this is my favorite one, I think. We are set free from the dominion of sin. In other words, we are not trapped in slavery to the sinful flesh within us. But in fact, something else can reign in its place, and that is God's spirit. We are no longer under the dominion of sin. Sin has lost its power over your decision-making. And it also says in this resurrection life that, that we're not lost anymore. No, it says our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Talk about a double layer, right? Our life is in Christ, in God. You think he can lose you? Nah, I don't think so. In fact, scripture says that we are seated with Christ now in the heavenly places. Huh. And guys, I've only danced on those parts that talk about what we already have in resurrection life. I've not danced into, and you don't want me to see me actually dance. I've not danced into what is coming in this resurrection life because it gets even better. It says, God's word says that, that when Christ appears, we will appear with him on that day. When he returns, it says that he will transform this, this like broken, this humble body and make it into the likeness of his glorious body. Right? Where, where our corruptible flesh will become incorruptible. In other words, you can't get sick. There is no indwelling sin within you anymore. It's where, where our, our weak bodies will put on full power. It's where our mortal bodies will put on immortality. It's where what we believe and see in part right now, boy, we'll get to see it on full display face to face forevermore. I mean, that's when those on that day, that's when those who have already fallen asleep in Christ will rise too. And you and I will get to see them again and be with them for the rest of eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. Guys, I have to say this. I've, I've had the privilege of, of being the pastor of the church for nine months. And in those nine months, I've already done eight memorial services. Eight, brothers and sisters who have gone home. And on that day, in this resurrection life, because they believed in Jesus, they will be risen from the dead. They're, they're, just, in, they're just taking a nap real quick where they're at. Best of all, brothers and sisters, we... 
not only that, not only do we get all these things like in an inheritance, not only do we get to be with our brothers and sisters once again who are in Christ, but best of all, we get to be with Jesus for the rest of eternity, seeing him face to face, walking with him forevermore. Guys, did you know that's actually the definition of eternal life in John 17 too? Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, God, and know the one you have sent. Eternal life isn't getting to live forever, like escaping hell and getting to heaven. Eternal life is literally getting to know Jesus for the rest of eternity. We have to redefine that understanding of eternal life and resurrection life, because we don't just get all these things. The height of the gospel is that we get God above all. Guys, I love what, what 2 Thessalonians 1.10 says. On that day when Christ returns, it says that we will get to marvel at him. There's our treasure. This, brothers and sisters, that's the height of the gospel. This is the resurrection life. But what's the way there? How do we get to it? How do we see it come about in our own lives? Because I don't know about you, I just read through all that. And I'm like, yep, please now and forevermore. I would love that. Forget about my Christmas list. Give me these things forever. So if that's the case, how do we get there? Well, I hope you didn't miss it. The angel told us. That's the message that the angel was proclaiming. How to gain resurrection life. So we've got three quick truths on the way to resurrection life. Here's the first one. Resurrection life cannot be attained unless the stone be rolled away. Can we read that together? One, two, three. Resurrection life cannot be gained unless the stone be rolled away. So for us to experience the same thing that happened in that tomb to Jesus, in order for dead things to give way to life, for defeat to give way to victory in our lives, Guys, the stone must first be rolled away or else we won't have access to it. The stone must be rolled away. Guys, all of us either once had or still have a stone that blocks us from accessing resurrection life. And I love you. And because I love you, I need to say this. That stone is our sin. Not just the bad things you do, but the state of condition in which you are in. That stone is our sin. And our sin, our failing to meet the standard of God's righteousness required by the law, the countless times that we've rebelled against his will and we've broken his commands, those things are what cut us off. They separate us from enjoying God and life with him as we were designed to do. Guys, if we don't believe that we have a stone in the way, in other words, if, if, if you don't believe that you have sinned against God, then you'll never know really resurrection life. You'll never be able to experience it. 1 John 1, 8 simply says this, if we say we have no sin, 
we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth of God is not in us. So some of us will use the excuse. We'll say, hey, <laughs> hey, I'm good enough. I've got this. I've been nice to everybody. You don't beat me. I do this to this person. I give this to this person. And I definitely don't do that to that person. Because the problem is, Scripture tells us that you can, you can be good and still be sinful. In fact, your best works, Scripture says they're like filthy rags. You can be a very kind person and still be in need of saving. You can, you can be loving and generous and even kind of selfless. Like you're not necessarily thinking about yourself all the time and, and you still not meet God's righteous standard. You can be all those things. Because we, we were the ones who rolled that stone into place to block us off from that resurrection life in Genesis 3. It was humanity that did it. And in pursuing our own wills and our own desires and our own sin and selfishness, we became so weak and the stone became so massive that we could not move it away. It cut us off. Which is exactly what brings me to the second truth on the way to resurrection life. And that's this. We cannot roll the stone away. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. We cannot roll the stone away. Guys, you and I are 100% incapable of budging that thing. We can't move our sin. We can't. As being strong enough won't move it. Being good enough won't overcome it. Being rich enough doesn't buy it out of the way. Being smart enough doesn't outwit it. Being kind enough doesn't minimize it or shrink it down to make it possible for you to one day move. No, the stone of our sin is so massive and we are so completely incapable of moving it to get back into the presence of God in order to enjoy resurrection life. You see, that's the most amazing part of the story of the resurrection in my mind with the women coming to the tomb. Did you notice what they asked? They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? They knew they couldn't roll it away. Do you? They knew they couldn't budge that stone. They weren't strong enough to move it. Someone would have to do it for them. And in the same way, you and I are not strong enough to move that barrier that keeps us from getting to Jesus and the resurrection life that he brings. I think, I think two of the best words in the Bible when put together are, but God. But God. God has proclaimed to us another message through what the angel did. And guys, I'm telling you, it is just gospelicious. Check out truth number three. God has rolled the stone away for us in Jesus. Can we read that together? One, two, three. God has rolled the stone away for us in Jesus. Amen, church? 
guys, this is what makes following Jesus so different from every other framework of thought or even religion, right? God, through sending his only son to die in our place, to die as a ransom payment on our behalf, to purchase us from sin and back to God, he has rolled away the stone. And look at, look at Mark 16, 4. The women, looking up, noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away for them. God was proclaiming in the angel and he was rolling away the stone of our sin for us. So lift your head, weary sinner. Guys, come and see the stone. The stone which was very, very large. Too large for us to roll away. Come and see that the stone has been rolled away in Jesus Christ and the door stands wide open for anyone and everyone who would come to believe. So you know what this means? You know then what this means? Is that you, you don't have to be strong enough then. Right? You, don't, you don't have to be good enough. You don't have to be rich enough. You don't have to be smart enough. You don't have to be kind enough in order for the stone to roll away our, or to be rolled away. Guys, God has already rolled away the stone for us in Jesus He's already rolled it away. So for us to think that the Christian faith is about becoming bigger, better, faster, stronger in and of ourselves and thinking that that's what God wants, you're bringing, to some, bringing something to God that he doesn't even desire. He just wants you to come in and rest. He wants you to come and rest in resurrection life. You don't have to be good enough, strong enough, rich enough, smart enough, or even kind enough. He wants you, as you are, to come. And he's done everything necessary to bring you into resurrection life in Jesus. We only need to trust in Jesus to be the one who rolled away the stone in his death on the cross and the resurrection. We only need to trust that our being acceptable and loved by God is founded solely on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Now, I, I realize I talked about one dynamic with saying, if we, if we say we do not have sin, we deceive ourselves. But I, I wanna jump over to the other side of the, 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 the paradigm because I'm, I'm wondering if there's somebody in here who's saying, yeah, mm, I know my sin, I know my past. Why would, why would God even want to roll my stone away? It's too big. It's too massive. I have too much. So if you're, if you're hung up on that, I do need to say this. And I loved how another pastor put it. He said, if your sinfulness was too much for Jesus to handle, he would still be in the grave. If your past was impossible to reconcile before God, then the tomb would still be shut. Because the stone was rolled away and, and the grave is now empty and Jesus is alive. So therefore, you believing that your sin has more power than his resurrection is just utter nonsense. 
because he's shown that it has been paid in full or he'd still be in the tomb. If you still owed, he'd still be dead and we'd still be in our sins, but he's not, which means he's paid it all. The check has cleared, the debt paid. And guys, all that is available for us right now, today, is a wide open door leading us into resurrection life in Christ Jesus. Guys, this is the message from God on Easter Sunday, right? This is the message from God in him sending the angel to roll away the stone. It wasn't to let Jesus out, no. God was letting us in to come and see and share, to know and to experience resurrection life in Jesus. And guys, I'm telling you that the way to resurrection life is marked by three truths. Resurrection life cannot be gained unless the stone be rolled away. You cannot roll that stone away. And thirdly, God has rolled away the stone for us in Jesus. Guys, God is saying to you and to me today, come and see the empty grave. Come and see. Come and experience resurrection life today. I've removed the stone of sin that kept you from me. That's the gospel. The good news that Jesus not only preached, but secured on our behalf. So at this time, I just, I wanna ask you to, to bow your heads. Because in all reality, all of us, every single one of us today are in some position relative to the stone. If you were to think about where you're standing in relation to the stone, where would you put yourself? Because there's a few options. Because some of you are standing outside the door, gazing in, seeing that the tomb is open and empty, and you're nowhere near aware of how desperately you need to walk through. In fact, you're probably just caught up in the trinkets and treasures of this life. You're so distracted by those things that you don't even see the surpassing value of resurrection life that Christ has won for us. So maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you're one of those who walked up to the tomb intellectually agreed, yeah, it's open. Jesus isn't there. He's alive. And you walked away without entering in. Guys, faith is not just simply ascending to an intellectual higher thought. Some of you are still standing outside that tomb and you're trying to budge that stone, not realizing that the door's already open. 
and you're working so hard to push it away. All you need to do is just simply receive. Look, the door is open. And still others of you, I think this is where more people would fall. Some of you may be struggling with the idea of it. Because, listen to me, in order to walk past the stone, you have to walk into a grave. In order to experience resurrection life, you must first die. Die to yourself. And some of you have counted that cost and you're not really wanting to pay it. Some of you have one foot in and one foot out thinking I'm only gonna give so much. I'm only gonna die so much to myself, but I'm keeping the rest. I only want resurrection life in so much of my life, but not in all of my life. If that's you, then I would just say, walk in with both feet, go and see and experience resurrection life. Is wherever you are, whether you're one of the people who are in the tomb saying to others, hey, come and experience resurrection life and, and you're inviting people in, wherever you are in relation to the stone, my plea, like I can't find something more desperate to beg of you and urgent would be for you to come inside and see. Come and join us in resurrection life. All you need to do is by faith believe upon Jesus. And you will experience eternal life now and forevermore. So if you're somebody who is really understanding that you need to, to, to do this, that this is something that you would, by faith, want to be a part of, then, then don't leave today without it. This is the day of salvation. I would just love to speak with you. Our leaders would love to talk with you about it. Please just come and join us on the heights of resurrection life in the gospel. Let me pray for us. Father, I, I literally know of no other good news that beats this, that surpasses this in joy and in value and supremacy. Father, I thank you that in Jesus, you rolled away the stone of my sin. That you moved it aside. And you invited me in. You invited many of my brothers and sisters here in and they came. And God, I thank you for the joy and the family that we get to experience in resurrection life. And yet, Father, I realize that there are people here today, there's likely some people who are still on the other side of the stone, looking in or not looking at all. God, I know that you've been calling out to them for a while and they've refused to surrender their life in full to your lordship. 
or they've been working so hard to try to be so good and move that stone away on their own only to fail and fail again. God, either way, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that people today would walk past that stone and experience resurrection life. I've seen it before, God. I've seen you do it before, not only in me, but in people around. And I pray, Lord, you would do it again. May people be saved by your resurrection today. We love you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.